Greetings, this is Animation Celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. We are thick and big. We are 3D. Ha 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 ha. I'm one of the show guys, Micah. I'm the other show guy, Matsy. Each week we give each other cartoons to watch and review and come back and discuss. And that's what we did this week. We're going to be discussing a Popeye cartoon and some cat cartoons and a Goofy cartoon. But who knows what we're going to discuss first. Tell me, Micah. Uh, well, I had to look back at 12 Forever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. we talked about that last week. Yep. Yeah. Um, it didn't uh, exactly look like I had remembered. <laughs> okay. Because uh, it's been a while. So, mm-hmm. if anything, I think uh, it looks like a little bit like Adventure Time with some Powerpuff showing through. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So. I found it very square. Oh, well, yeah. All the, like all the hair and fingertips and everything end in squares. Yeah. Kind of like Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, not bad. I, I watched a handful of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking, uh, on the creation of the butt witch, yeah. which ha- I, as far as I can tell, that's the actual name of the character. Yeah. There is an episode called the butt witch forever, which I think makes it pretty canonical. Yeah. So the butt witch has a shapely figure, right? Yeah. So immediately you think like, oh, this is going to be like a sexy character. Uh, but then you get the voice of Douglas Renham. That's uh, Matt Berry. Douglas Renham's a character from a show called The IT Crowd. Um, Oh, is he? I know him. And people who are watching this may be um, animation enthusiasts. Yeah. And so for any of you, uh, Prince Merkimer in Disenchantment, the pig, Hmm. that's him. Hmm. Yeah, in... in, uh... 12 forever he's being exactly the same guy as he is in it uh crowd <laughs> at least in uh in in his uh intonations yeah yeah so that was a little funky it's 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 cute i like i like when characters do that when they have like a a really unexpected voice like that mm. i was looking at it and uh on the internet people are pairing uh, they group uh butt witch with him from Powerpuff Girls. Sure. Yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, it kind of made me think further. It's like, uh, Powerpuff Girls, him is kind of supposed to be subversive, right? Yeah. Like, it's kind of, for, for that era, it's weird to have that character, I think. Yes, agreed. And but which is probably supposed to be a little subversive, but less so. Maybe. I've never really figured out what the butt witch is supposed to be because the butt witch's origin is a box of books about <laughs> like female puberty. Yeah. And seems to like you, I don't know how, if you've seen this far in, but like the butt witch seems to like feed on discord and like anger among friends. So I'm really not sure what the butt witch's deal is. Hmm. Well, so I, I I bring up him because like it's I was thinking about broader like uh, uh, queerness in cartoons and old cartoons. Yeah. yeah. And it made me think. Uh, 
Did you ever watch a cartoon called Moncoli Nights? No, and I don't know if it sounds familiar or not. So it kind of came out of uh, uh, a Pokemon boom, I guess. You know, when people were trying to make collection shows. Yeah. So it, it's a, a Japanese import. Um, and the uh, it's got a villain. It's a pretty good show, I think, except that it's kind of like too jokey to take seriously. Yeah. Um, but it, it's got a villain in there, uh, Prince Eccentric. Okay. And he's very much uh, queer-coded. Like, his personality is very close to James from Team Rocket. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, the show is pretty funny. And one of the things is that like, he, he he's, you know, he's a villain. He's got henchmen and whatever, and he enslaves monsters. He's got a grandfather who uh, pushes him because he thinks that he can make a real manly man out of him. Okay. But he keeps resisting, right? Because he just wants to be like a foppish kind of villain, right? With like roses yeah. in his teeth and stuff. All right. Um, so there's some really funny episodes like that. Uh, but, you know, I missed a lot of episodes because uh, it's, you know, I catch them here and there on Saturday morning. And uh, I decided uh, they have it on Crunchyroll, right? But it's like subtitled and it's original, right? Okay. Uh, and... On there, there's no subtext. Repeatedly, the the joke, the punchline on this character is that he's gay. <laughs> so right in the first episode, the narrator says, like, and he's gay. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Which is kind of funny, because before then, with, with, like, when it was just subtext, it was hilarious, right? That <laughs> the grandfather was trying to make a man out of him. He was oh. trying to run away from it all the time. And just having the joke explained immediately kind of takes the humor out of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that it's so explicit, right? Right. And, and the time, too, Now to watch it now. Yeah, true. It's a little goofy. But anyway, I guess uh, the other thing I've got going now is I've uh, been watching JoJo's again. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was watching it with my girlfriend, right? But she lost yeah. interest, and it kind of... Uh, it's one of those things where if you watch something with someone, it gets held hostage. Oh, yeah. But I figured she's not going to watch it anymore, so I just uh, went for it. Um, so you only watched a few episodes of it? Yeah. Uh, so, like, the first two arcs are their own little contained thing about, like, vampires and, and, like, who made the mask and all that. And the heroes have a consistent sort of uh, martial arts power where they breathe and channel the energy of life through them and that kind of thing. Okay. But then it just goes totally different to where it's all about um, the the characters have incarnations they summon out of themselves oh. that are called stands. And mm-hmm. they can have any power. So <laughs> the show gets like especially crazy because anything can happen, right? Right. So like the, the chapter that I'm looking at is called Diamond is Unbreakable. And it's also kind of an oddball in that, like, up to this point, there's a lot of globe trotting in JoJo's. And hmm. uh, this one all takes place in a small town called Morio. All right. So part of, like, the villainous plot is there's... Uh, the villain is making a lot of the uh, citizens have stands. 
So it's just kind of, it's gone run amok. Just like people have superpowers all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we get to know, like, not only do we get to know this town because every episode's in it, but we get to know like it's wackiness, right? That there's like various shops have people with superpowers and stuff. All right. So I, I particularly like one, there's like uh, an Italian restaurant that opens up and two of the main characters decide to, to go check it out. So the, uh, the guy there, like, oh, they ask, can I see a menu? And he says, no, no, there's no menu here. I cook specifically for the person. <laughs> and he like, uh, he reads the guy's palm and from it can figure out that like, uh, oh, you, you suffered from insomnia. You have a sore shoulder, two cavities, an athlete's foot. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so, um, so he tells him, I'm, I'm going to go prepare prepare for you and he pours some water out for them and when he drinks yeah. the water he's like oh my god this is incredible i've never had water this good <laughs> <laughs> and it like it drives him to tears but he can't stop right and there's like there's there's waterfalls of tears coming out of his face yeah and his friend looks at him and he says oh my god your eyes they're deflating <laughs> so his eyes yeah they've got like dents in them and they're like flattening out <laughs> but when he when he looks back to his friend again, he's fine. He's like, oh, I feel like I slept for ten hours. <laughs> and uh, so the uh, the the chef brings out like a little starter thing of uh, uh, it's got mozzarella and tomato. He tries uh -huh. it out. It's like, uh, well, this is okay. I mean, you know. Uh, this isn't. This is common. The Japanese palate is is not compatible with a lot of other cuisines. Like, no, 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 no. You have to have the tomato and the mozzarella together. And so he does, right? And then he's like, "Oh, it's it's so delicious. They complement each other." Wait a minute, my throat it itches. And then it's like, uh, uh, "Signore, you should take off your jacket." So he does, and then he starts scratching at himself. And uh, his fingertips are covered in goo. He's like, what is this, right? And his friends are just, what? That skin, you're tearing off your skin. So, like, he keeps scratching and scratching compulsively. And, like, the skin's flying everywhere, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and the guy's like, you're going through the muscle now. Stop, stop. He's like, I can't help it. I can't help it. And the guy's, and his friend is, he's got his hands cupped. And he's like, oh, my God, this is bigger than a softball now. All, all like the collected skin. <laughs> and then in an instant, he's fine. Like his shoulder's back and intact. It's like, oh, my sore shoulder's gone. And my shoulder's more flexible than it was before. And he's like demonstrating, right? <laughs> it's funny. Like a lot of these, uh, a lot of these people they find that have stands are nefarious. But this is just like a weird one-off episode where the guy's actually helpful. And mm. like every dish he serves him repairs one of his problems so like he gives him some spicy pasta and it makes his bad teeth fire out of his face like one goes <laughs> yeah. one one embeds in the table and the one from his lower jaw shoots up into the ceiling and then his friend watches in horror as his bloody mouth has like teeth start to emerge and shoot up in there but then he's got like a perfect set of teeth afterward Oh man. Yeah. So it's Jojo's is funky. Cause like, yeah, 
Yeah, it's it's uh it's fascinating, you know? Like this show has so much like history and superpowers and a forgetful author. So <laughs> yeah, you can't keep things straight and it's full of plot holes. So what you <laughs> the th- Yeah, yeah, there's like um there's a saying Iraqi forgot, right? Cuz it's like the number of things that are, are just don't resolve or are plot holes or whatever. Mm. Um, but the thing is, it's always fascinating. So as long as you can just like get over that, you know, why don't they, and then you just figure, okay, I'll accept that they're just not going to, and I'll buy into whatever's going on right now. Right. It's kind of the way you got to watch the show, but, but weird. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, you know. One of those things, once you get into it, you just, you're never bored, right? Yeah. Not entirely true, actually. The third season's, <laughs> the third season's a little boring. It's a little villain of the week kind of thing, but right. yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway, that's my nuttiness. What about you? Um, I was thinking recently that I've been, I've been seeing episodes sort of creeping out at a bit of a snail's pace, and mm-hmm. it's time we talked about Amphibia. Okay. Um, which is one of Disney's current uh, serial shows. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in its second season now, and I think this season is winding down. It's, it's it, To me, it seems like the thing that they made to replace Gravity Falls, because Gravity Falls was very popular, okay. and so they needed something else. They were looking for something else in that vein, I guess. Okay. Amphibia is about a girl named Anne who finds herself in a land called Amphibia, which is inhabited by anthropomorphic amphibians of various uh, flavors. Mm. Um, She lands among frogs uh, and is sort of adopted by a farm family, the Planter family, which is a, a boy named Sprig, a tadpole named Polly because of course she's named Polly All right. and their grandfather Hopadiah who is better known as Hop Pop okay and she she had two friends that she was with and she is no longer with them and so her long term goal is to find her two friends and find the way back home and her only real uh, lead is that her friends are not great friends, or at least one of them isn't. Okay. And she was coerced into stealing a little like trinket box from a store. And opening the box, the next thing she knew, she was in this land. So her leads are where are the other two girls and this box? probably has something to do with it. Mm. So this show is in its second season now, as I said, and I have recently found, I, I sort of, you know, I was along for the ride, like, okay, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm interested in, in, just interested enough in seeing where this story goes. Uh, but roughly halfway to two thirds of the way through the second season, it suddenly hit me that Amphibia Amphibia's strength is not as a serial. It's mm-hmm. as a comedy. 
Okay. Because it's very funny. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, the moment that hit me, I don't know why this struck me as so funny, but there was a scene where they were they had reached this city, and there was some pratfall where Anne or whoever is, like, tossed up in the air, or, like, landed on her face or whatever, and just ended up, you know, splat. And mm. in the background of the shot, there's a few guards, and, and they're all... They're salamanders and they're all, all, or newts or something. And they, so they all have this big long nose and these helmets that kind of cover their eyes completely. So she falls down and just one of these guards in the background just goes, (laughs) just snickers. Mm. And for some reason, that is what made it all click. Like that was so funny to me. Just seeing that guard laugh. I was like, okay, I get it now. This is a good comedy. Huh? It's also got some, it has some story hooks. Um, There's a very interesting character in the first season who's like some kind of fortune teller who's a, some kind of, she's like a a newt or a snake or something. I can't remember. But instead of arms, she just has two independent snakes that just kind of do her will as her limbs. Huh. Which is cool. Um, And it's, it's a really funny it's really funny. It's, you know, it's got a bunch of, like I said, story hooks uh, regarding the characters. I'm not going to give any of it away because, you know, it okay. is an ongoing story. Um, the other, I think it's worth watching. I think it's worth checking out. Um, just remember, don't take it too seriously. Look at it mainly as a comedy and go along for the ride with the story. Yeah, I'm looking at, I, I like Anne's shagginess. Yeah, she um she's always missing one shoe. She always has leaves and sticks stuck in her hair. Yeah. Um there's actually a good gag where at some point she's looking in the mirror in the second season. She's like, "Hey, when were you going to tell me I had leaves in my hair?" Yeah. Um but even after she's had like a makeover and like, you know, she's been in this fancy spa and bathed and everything, and then she comes out and then within minutes the same stick and leaf are back in her hair again. That's funny. Yeah. She's um, got a real Digimon kid build. Yeah, sure. Yeah. She's got spaghetti limbs and huge hands mm. and feet. Yeah. Yeah. That is kind of the character. I mean, there are only three humans in the show. So um, the other people, are they, as per the title, all amphibians? Yes. Um, the So this world is inhabited by amphibians. She's, she's in a little village called, I think it's called Wartwood, uh, mm. which is inhabited by frogs. Uh, the frogs are kind of oppressed by some toads, Hmm. uh, led by some general. The royalty of this land is newts. Like the, the main town that they're going to the city, this this castle city that they go to, like most of the second season is a road trip of them going to this city. Hmm. Um, and it's, it's where the king lives and all the, everybody there, all the inhabitants of that city are, newts or salamanders so it's all amphibians uh all their food is based on bugs all their predators are giant snakes or birds are they animals or people animals okay the um amphibians seem to be the only sentient beings i should i say sapient beings that's what i was getting at i guess yeah everything everything else is uh you know like a monster you know, you're saying that you're saying that show clicked for you because like there was this weird little like snicker sound mm-hmm. that was made, right? I was thinking about that that uh 
It may, maybe there's an example before Adventure Time, but I was thinking mm -hmm. when I was watching Adventure Time that uh, the characters utter things that you wouldn't see in cartoons before, like things that I guess you would say wouldn't play, if you know what I mean. So yeah. like, I have I've said for a while that I think cartoon or no cartoon, I think Adventure Time has the best written dialogue in television. Well, yeah, but like. One example that I can think of, uh, I don't remember the line, but um, Jake replies to something in an Elvis impersonation that's uh, <laughs> uh, like apropos of nothing, right? Right. But you would have never seen that in a cartoon because it's weird, right? Like it's it's a sign of our times, I guess, that we're all kind of sarcastic and we do that, right? That it makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. Like there's... Um there was an episode where the little worm Shelby mm. gets cut in half and his butt becomes a little okay. brother. And, um, Jake says like, he's something like, what? You can cut a worm in half and get another worm? Yeah. Like, or, or another episode. Now that I'm mentioning that there's, um, uh, an episode where they're in a dream. They're stuck in a dream, which is, um, caused by this psychic worm king. Mm. And the, to get out, they have to catch the worm in the dream. And so there's a, sh a shot where the, or a scene where the worm has escaped and Finn is like yelling in frustration, like worm, worm. Mm. And then apropos of nothing in one of his yells, he goes, woim. So he's like, worm, 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 yeah. worm. <laughs> like just terrific stuff. Like, it's impossible to give like specific examples because there's so many, like they just say weird nonsense for no reason. You're like, Cause that's just the way that they yeah. talk. But if like, if you're writing a script, it's really weird to try to put that down. Right. Yeah. yeah. There was one, when you were talking about Jojo's bad yeah. teeth, um, I was thinking about an episode of adventure time called dentist. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that one? I don't remember. It might come to me as you describe it. Uh, Finn has a bad tooth. He has a yeah. toothache. And Jake is looking at it. It's like, this is really bad. You need to go dentist. Mm. And he's like, I don't want to go dentist. <laughs> and they keep saying like dentist, not the yeah, dentist, yeah. but dentist as, and, and there, and Jake is like, what did princess bubblegum say? And princess bubblegum is a scientist, yeah, yeah. right? She's the smartest person in the show. And so it cuts to this shot of, the inside of Finn's mouth and Princess Bubblegum looking inside with a mirror. And so she's like, hmm, Finn, this is literally serious. You have to go dentist. <laughs> and it turns out that in the episode, dentist actually is an, a, a destination. He ends up in an army of ants huh. who inform him like, you have gone dentist. <laughs> yeah. I think I have. I've, I've kind of seen that episode, I think. I think I was doing household chores and mm. somebody else was watching the episode. Because so much of that sounds oh, yeah. familiar, but I can't draw the thread. Sure, yeah. So talking about Amphibia, you have to kind of go into the Owl okay. House. And the Owl House is, it was like the replacement show that Disney put on in the gap between Amphibia seasons. And it's um, it's kind of Disney's magic school show mm -hmm. you know the the post harry potter world um it's about a girl named luz luz um who 
she was going to a summer camp, but she's she's got a wild imagination, and she's sort of like you know one of those. She's she's like a lower rent version of Reggie or um you know ah. Chubio that we were talking yeah. about, um, and through some thing she ends up falling going through this portal and ending up in this other world, uh, which is run by various stripes of monster and uh, magician. Mm. And she falls in with a woman named Ada, who is also known as the Owl Lady. And her little pet, uh, whose name I have also forgotten. Oh, King, because he's the demon king, except he's like a tiny little, little critter. Okay. Ada is wanted. She's a wanted criminal. And she survives by scavenging and selling magical garbage, including human trinkets. Uh, also involved in this are some kids and who, who uh, befriend uh, Luz. And this is where it turns into a... Um, this is where it turns into a school thing. Because Luz... Luz the deal mm-hmm. is that Luz will help Ada find magical junk. Because she's supposed to be at camp. She's home free. She, you know, she doesn't have to report back home. She doesn't have to tell anybody. She doesn't have an ex- She doesn't need to make an excuse for being okay. here. She's just, she's like, cool. Instead of going to camp, I'll just stay here. And the deal is that she will help Ada, uh, get human stuff in exchange for Ada teaching her magic. Um, however, it becomes clear that Ada keeps putting it off and putting it off, and it becomes clear that humans, like Luz, don't actually have the physical capability to cast magic. Mm. So she has to find her own way, which she does when she discovers that there is a magic school, which Ada is strongly opposed to. She's a dropout. She hated that school, and over time, this is the difference between the Owl House and uh, Amphibia. Okay. Whereas... Amphibia is an okay serial that's very funny. Ah. The Owl House is a genuinely engaging serial. That's not good funny s- at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it is funny. Okay. Don't get me wrong. It's funny, but it's also like it. The story is is, is engaging. Hmm. I won't go into it much further. There's only one season so far. It seems set up for a second, but um, yeah, it's. I think the Owl House is very good. I actually like it. Once I got into it, it took a little bit for me to kind of get into it. Mm-hmm. But once I did, I actually liked it a lot more than um, Amphibia. It's, it's a it's a lot better story. Yeah. They've got a similar color palette for sure. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, the one thing about it that I don't like very much is the sort of... It has the antagonistic stuck-up girl in it. Uh-huh whose name is um, uh, Amity. Okay. And, you know, she starts out the way you'd expect. Like, she looks down on everyone. She's like, meh. And by the end of the show, she kind of, she warms up to everyone else and becomes, you know, part of the little crew. Uh Uh-huh. And this is, some people view this as a headcanon. Yeah. I view it as just paying attention to what the show is telling you. Okay. It is clear that Luz is gay. Oh. Like, that's, that's like, that's not just alluded to. There's like, there's a point where she's, you know, when she gets accepted to the school, there's a part where she says, I have a new crush and her name is education. 
Yeah. Okay. And Amity has a crush on Luz. Hmm. And the problem that I have is that Amity's crush being smitten with Luz becomes her only character trait. Like uh. she goes from being the stuck up antagonistic girl <laughs> to just stupid head over heels in love with Luz. She loses in the, the course of like three episodes. Yeah. She loses the depth of being a snob. Yeah. But hey, it's a good show. Uh, they are working on a second season, though it has been slowed down by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be interested in seeing what a second season the season of that is like. Also, yeah, in an early episode of this show, uh, I mentioned the death of um, J- Jessica Walter. Yeah, okay, yeah. And I said that she was, among other voices, uh, she was the voice of BoJack Horseman's mother in BoJack Horseman. Mm-hmm. That's wrong. Okay. Uh, instead, Ada in the Owl House is the voice of BoJack Horseman's mother. Oh, okay. Which which was actually kind of a shock to me because she's a rather comedic character. And Bojack's, I mean, Bojack Horseman is a comedy, but mm. it's a comedy tragedy. Yeah. And Bojack's mother is a purely tragic character. Hmm. So it was kind of weird to see a tragic character in a comedy like this. Hmm. Yeah. On that note, how about we talk about more comedy? Yeah. So you gave me Popeye. And we love ourselves some Popeye. <laughs> the particular one is Popeye the Sailor meets Alibaba's 40 Thieves. This was directed by Dave Fleischer and was released in 1937. Mm-hmm. Dave Fleischer is the younger brother of Max Fleischer, who founded Fleischer Studios. Uh, this cartoon involves a multiplane camera with three-dimensional objects in front uh, or behind the cell painting. It was one of three longer color Popeye specials that also included Popeye the Sailor meets Sindbad the Sailor and Aladdin and his Wonderful Lamp. Seems like a distinct flavor there. Yeah. But you know, what's weird to me is it's not Popeye the Sailor meets Aladdin and his Wonderful Lamp. Hmm. Or meets Aladdin's Wonderful... I I don't know. I, I can't remember that one very well, but... I think it is Aladdin and his Wonderful Lamp. Yeah, but in this one, like, uh, Popeye is sort of Alibaba in the storyline. Anyway, mm. um, so right off, from the, right off the bat, the opening credits feature the cave door of the 40 Thieves opening toward the viewers. And I didn't remember this at first, so I was thinking, like, that there'd be more of this. Not so much. Um, yeah. And uh, the cartoon opens with Abu Hassan leading... On horse and in song, his 40 thieves. Bluto. Is it, hmm? is it Abu Hassan or I heard it pronounced as Abu Hassel. Is it? I don't know. Like, cause it sounds when he sings it, he sounds like he's saying Abu Hassel. And then I can't tell what the 40 thieves respond with, whether it's Hassel or Hassan. Hassel is funnier. Let's find out. So I'm pretty sure it is, but yeah, Abu Hassan. Okay. Um, so yeah, we get, we get a little musical number at the beginning with uh, uh, Abu Hassan is Bluto, essentially. Yeah. Um, 
with a red nose. It's kind of an interesting look for Bluto. So meanwhile, Popeye and Wimpy are sailors on guard and they hear on the radio about Abu Hassan. So they take off with Olive in a plane that funny enough at first just looks like a boat. <laughs> it crashes in the desert and the three are forced to trudge across it. Um, so I particularly love uh, Olive as she gets uh, heat stroke. Popeye lifts her back up into this drooping walk on all fours that shapes her like a camel. Yeah. Um, See, stuff happens when they're walking through the desert in this one. There's no three and a half minutes of nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I'll argue Popeye is better than... Uh, <laughs> what was it? Return to the Planet of the Apes? Um, uh, escape. escape. From, no, Return. You're yeah, right. Return yeah, to the yeah. Planet of the Apes. Um, so... They, they arrive in town, finally, get refreshed and hit the, hit the restaurant. But while they're at the restaurant, the radio uh, reminds them that Abu Hassan is coming. And it prompts everybody but Popeye to hide. The thieves uh, ride in like a wind, stealing everything. And Popeye and Abu face off. And, you know, like as uh, Popeye and Bluto matches tend to go. Popeye proves that he's the better man. <laughs> uh, but his burly adversary finds a way to cheat. In this case, he traps him in a chandelier. So the thieves unknowingly abduct Olive and Wimpy, and Abu Hassan sings a stanza of his song of his uh, theme song again. And Popeye catches up to them, and although he overhears the famous open sesame password to get into the cave he can't remember it or maybe he just can't say it correctly a la his speech impediment this always seems to happen in cartoons when they hear open sesame yeah. they can instantly not remember or didn't hear clearly what it was They're like oh what did he say yeah i like to think that it's just that it's it, that it is his speech impediment that he has to say other funny things okay sure yeah at any rate he uses his pipe like a blowtorch to get in um, so Wimpy's chained up, Olive is made to slave as a washerwoman, and Popeye confronts Abu, but gets beaten up by the thieves and thrown to a shark, which means that it's spinach time. <laughs> so a powered up Popeye fights the 40 thieves that prove to be fodder for him to whoop on in numerous funny ways. Yeah. Yep. And the same is true for Abu Hassan. And in the end, Popeye and crew return with all the stolen treasures, their wagon pulled by Abu and his gang chained as draft animals. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny, huh? Like, eh. <laughs> I'll have to remember that for Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Don't kill them. <laughs> well, I think you can use them. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of a sequence at Game of Thrones where there was someone who tried to poison, like, the lady yeah and their punishment was to it was like the 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 clan of people who uh, thrive on horseback like hor nomadic horse riding nomads sure and their punishment for this guy was to strip him naked and make him run with the horses until he died huh so you're saying that was the fate of the 40 thieves <laughs> <laughs> well at least the 40 thieves get to dictate the pace <laughs> they collapse at the edge of town and are forgotten um, it was pretty disturbing, <laughs> but still. 
So speaking of them 40 Thieves, I guess the first issue we have here is, is this cartoon racist? Mmm. Ah. Mm-hmm. I say a little bit. Yeah. Because all of the, uh, all of the Arabs mutter a lot of gibberish. <laughs> yeah. All this kind of... <laughs> <laughs> the, the one that throws Popeye to the shark, <laughs> especially is, you know... Oh. Yes, yeah, that was the that was actually the point where I thought of exactly this. I was like, hmm, is this racist? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think it's funny that they, uh, when they're stealing stuff, they just all in series say the thing they're stealing. Oh, fish, 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 fish. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I like that too. Shirt, shirt, shirt. It's one of those things where nobody comes off um, flattering in a Popeye cartoon. Yeah. But because there's history, you know, that's like inappropriate, which kind of makes them cartoons you just can't make anymore. Or you just kind of like be stuck making only white people, I guess. Because it'd be. Well, I mean. Yeah. Even my understanding is even there was in like the early 90s. Yeah. Do you remember an episode of Tiny Toons that was all music videos? Yes. And two of them were they might be giants. Right. And one of them was Istanbul, not Constantinople. Right. My understanding is that that cartoon is on the banned list because of its racist depiction of Arab people. Huh. I don't remember it being so. Me neither. Oh. I, was, I was watching it and like, what? Plucky gets chased by some guys with scimitars, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like, you know, there's a sultan with a daughter in like, you know, a gauzy harem outfit. Mm. Like, but I don't know. I think that's stretching. Yeah, I don't know. I I like a bit of sand in my entertainment, right? So I was thinking we sometimes discussed, have discussed what uh, they should do for rebooting Popeye. Mm. And I think they should just make him like this. Agreed. Yeah. So you said we love us some Popeye. Yeah. When I was a kid, Popeye was my least favorite of the cartoon canons. Yes. And the reason for that is, well, one, all the characters are so ugly. Right. And two, a lot of the latter day Popeye sucked. Oh, it does. When he he switches to the uh, Navy uniform, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's when you go back to this, and even for a kid who likes cartoons, this looks weird with its, like, live-action backgrounds and everything. Yeah. And... I wonder if they didn't reuse some of them, but yeah, yeah. And the way that they, you know, like I said, the characters are ugly. They, like, (laughs) they mutter, not lined up with the animation and stuff. And so, for an unsophisticated child, that's kind of, like... It looks like an unrefined, ugly, weird cartoon. Yeah, yeah. But as an adult, going back to it, yeah, this is great stuff. It's so funny. I, I love the fact you're talking about ugly. So, I love Popeye's toothless mouth, especially in this cartoon. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, like the fact that his, you know, this is Popeye's signature is the the constant muttering. Yeah, yeah. That isn't animated. Yeah. Like that's. That's really funny stuff. Like, like he has so many great one-liners. Oh yeah, like, when, when Wimpy just... goes for the Oasis and he goes, "That's one of those invisible garages." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's all kinds of them in there. Like, just little, you know, dumb, 
dumb comments. I can't, oh, I'm having trouble thinking of them off the top of my head, but like they're, like there's just constantly little, the fact that he's constantly muttering stuff like that yeah. is what makes Popeye so funny. Yeah, it, those early ones didn't match the mouth, right? Like they did it like no. they did it like anime where they did ADR, right? They just animated it. And <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I guess you know, voice actor got a little uh, a little antsy and would just say stuff. Um, yeah, and but it's really good. Like it's funny stuff. Like the stuff that he says. I don't know if it was scripted or not, but or if it's just oh, the actor. Not. Just yeah, yeah. But it's it's like yes. You know, this, this one, is the best Popeye. Like this, like early, early Popeye. But this is isn't the best really Popeye. early, early Popeye. Like, yeah. like I was thinking, the look of this uh, is the, those. So the earlier ones are truly rubber hose, right? Mm. And there's some advancement in animation. So, like, I was I've I've been thinking about that. That uh, rubber hose animation doesn't tend to have. Uh, any sort of variety and tempo in an action, right? So, like, if somebody were swinging a bat in a rubber hose animation, they would, in between everything, it's equal steps, you know? Yes. So everything is really fluid that way, right? Whereas this has uh, more modern principles of animation, but still the, that rubber hose influence shows through, right? Like yeah. Well, especially There's especially like, the surreal stuff like that the cl- <laughs> when Abu Hassan and the Forty Thieves come, the clock panics. It's got like a face and it you know retracts its uh, hands. I think into itself. It it gather its hands gather up all its all numbers. numbers. Yeah. And it sucks them inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the animation of this is so fluid. It's like you said. You know, early on, it's like when animation was first being developed, they didn't really understand how to make different speeds. Yeah, sort of, and. Here, everything is so fluid. Like, like I was but, noticing, but a little less. You know, when they're yeah, when their plane breaks down, yes, and there's like all this like it's like the engine is like flying apart and like trying to fight its way out of the plane, uh-huh. and the way that the the plane the the skin of the plane moves, like it's a membrane that's being stretched around mm-hmm. and stuff. You don't see that, like that. You can tell that that was made in 1937. Because you just don't see animation that fluid since. I like it though. I, mean, when, when I, wanna, I do. Yeah. When I want to see this kind of thing, that's what I want to see. You know. Exactly. It's so good. Hmm. You know, th- there's a shortened version of this cartoon. Okay. So for some TV broadcasts, this was shortened down to be more like a the same sort of timing as other cartoons. And they I can cut, believe it. They cut all that beginning stuff and ha- just have. Uh, Popeye, Wimpy, and Olive Oil show up at the restaurant at the beginning. Oh, really? Yeah, you don't remember that? Mm, like the first- I don't know. Like it's yeah. weird. Like there's some stuff in here. Like they're, when they're in the restaurant and the guy gives Popeye the menu. Yes. And it's all these weird racist scribbles, and he can't read it. Right. And I'm thinking like, oh, he's gonna fold this up, yes. and it's gonna say something legible. Or the other thing <laughs> that I thought and made me laugh yeah. was. When he when he's fighting Bluto, or Abu Hassan, Abu Hassan, whatever, yeah. There's a part where he jumps into his clothes, mm-hmm. Abu Hassan's clothes, mm. and as soon as Popeye did that, these brain cells that had been dormant for thirty years just popped up and went, "Here I am!" 
over here, <laughs> right. peekaboo, I see you. <laughs> like, I knew exactly what Popeye was going to do, even though I hadn't seen it in forever. You know, uh, I think we've discussed this sometimes, like, what to do, like, in a Popeye video game. Uh-huh. Uh, I was thinking that it would be, like, Devil May Cry or uh, or God of War. <laughs> so, like... Yeah, you'd have opportunities to do combos against clothed opponents like that. <laughs> you'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be doing crazy stuff like pirouetting and, and blowing away uh, lines of, of enemies, you know, <laughs> just like yeah. in this cartoon. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So another thing about this cartoon, uh, uh, this is actually Jack Mercer, the second Popeye voice. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, what had happened was the first Popeye voice, uh, named, I don't have it at hand right now, but, uh, they basically felt that he was trouble. So they were looking to get rid of him. And, uh, uh, Jack Mercer was an in-betweener. He drew the, the stuff between the keyframes mm-hmm. and he would, while he was working, just copy that guy's Popeye voice. And they overheard him singing uh, Popeye's song and that propelled mm. him to get the job. Nice. Yeah, yeah, and he, he's kind of a renaissance man, because he animated, he did the voice, he became a writer at the studio, too. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Oh, yeah. we're talking about gags in the thing. That that part where Popeye boards a camel, and he boosts <laughs> it with gasoline, so it's got this yeah. funny run. It's like, there's another Popeye cartoon with an even funnier camel animation. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I can't figure out which one it is. It's black and white, but I was looking at the list and I couldn't pick it out. Anyway, uh, a real good time. That's one of the that's hmm? that's one of Popeye's little like little murmurs, like when he's on the when he's on the camel and it's going slow and he just kind of remembers. Oh, he's just a problem. You got four flat tires. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty pre- uh, pretty fast for a two cylinder. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So good stuff. Had a great time. Um, yeah. How about we go? Actually, the the ones that I gave you, the cartoons, are two similar ones. So why don't we do mm-hmm. them both right now? Sure. Yeah. Um, so you gave me two called "Feed the Kitty" and "Kiss Me Cat." Mm-hmm. I had posited or guessed that "Feed the Kitty" was Sylvester and Tweety, mm-hmm. and "Kiss Me Cat" was Pepe Le Pew. Okay. And I was giving too much credit to Warner Brothers' ability to give cartoons relevant titles. <laughs> yeah. Because um, they'll usually just be, what's, uh, this one's about Bugs Bunny. What are puns about rabbits or hairs that we can use? Hair remover, sure. Mm. Um, so the result is that these cartoons are not Sylvester and Tweety and, Tweety and Pepe Le Pew. Mm-hmm. But they're even better. Yeah. They're Mark Anthony and Pussyfoot. Yeah. And as soon as I discovered that, I was like, oh, so this is that big bulldog Mm. and the tiny little kitten that he loves so much. Yeah. Mark Anthony and Pussyfoot. Oh, man. Okay, where to begin? I guess that we begin with the first cartoon, which is Feed the Kitty, Mm -hmm. uh, where Mark Anthony, the bulldog, finds this tiny kitten in an alley and decides to do what dogs do in cartoons and bark and scare the little kitten. But the kitten is oblivious and happy and just climbs up onto his back and falls asleep. And Mark Anthony is smitten and brings it home. But his owner, a woman who we will later discover is named Vi, Mm -hmm. 
is fed up with all the junk that Mark Anthony keeps bringing into the house and mm. warns him that if he brings in one more thing, there'll be trouble. And so the rest of the cartoon largely is Mark Anthony trying to hide the fact that he has this kitten mm -hmm. uh, using things like pretending it's a wind up toy, hiding it in various places. Um, the climax is that he dumps the kitten in a uh, drawer of flour, which I guess houses in 1951 had. Yeah, like a little vat. Yeah. Actually, no, wait, not 1951. It's 1952. This cartoon is 1952, directed by Chuck Jones. Yeah. But the mother, the, the Vi, let's call her, mm. is about to make cookies. And Mark Anthony is horrified when he sees the kitten's eyes in the cup of flour that she takes. <laughs> um, there are some attempts to thwart the cookie making, but he is eventually kicked out and forced to watch through the window as Vi turns on the beater and mixes him up or mixes up the batter, rolls it out, bakes it, yeah. cuts it into cookie shapes. Um, this is the origin of that scene in Monsters, Inc., where Sully keeps looking through the window. Right at a trash compactor and fainting. Yeah. Uh, that is a recreation of the shot here where Mark Anthony keeps looking and seeing horrible things happening to the cookie dough. Mm. The part he didn't see was the kitten climbing out of the batter. Mm -hmm. So the kitten is fine, but as he sees all the cookies being baked, he just bursts into tears and is inconsolable. Uh, finally allowed back into the house, uh, Vi decides to cheer him up by giving him a kitten-shaped cookie, which he heartbrokenly puts on his back and walks off, and then <laughs> discovers that Pussyfoot is fine. Uh, but this is where Vi discovers that he has this kitten. Mm. He once again tries to disguise it as a toy or a powder puff or what have you, but uh, Vi's not having it. But happily, Vi allows him to keep the little kitten provided that she take or that he take good care of it. Right. <laughs> the second cartoon yeah. is this is where I got confused because the second cartoon came out in 1953, but the copyright screen says 1951. Oh, weird. And it's called kiss me cat, which has nothing to do with anything. Just a movie. Um, it's uh, just, yeah, exactly. It's just a, a parody of the movie uh, or a, it, the cartoon is not a parody of the movie. The title is a parody of the title Kiss Me Kate. Right. Which is a movie that came out in 1953. Hmm. Uh, in this one, it is firmly established that Pussyfoot lives in the house with uh, Mark Anthony. Hmm. But there's a mouse in the house. And the uh, man of the house, John, I believe his name is, decrees oh, okay. that if that cat cannot catch that mouse, then they have to get a new cat. Hmm. And Mark Anthony obviously doesn't want that. And so he goes about trying to teach Pussyfoot or convince Pussyfoot to catch mice. Mm. The mouse, on the other hand, has trained Pussyfoot as a cart animal to help ferry food from the pantry to his uh, mouse hole with impunity. I, the mouse I, is not... Hmm? <laughs> I love that Mark Anthony pushes Pussyfoot in there. And in all of two seconds, he's trained. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Trained and hooked Pussyfoot up to the wagon. That was actually the moment where I remembered this cartoon. Oh, okay. When I saw Pussyfoot come out with that wagon, I was like, oh, right, this one. Mm. 
Um, yeah, so the mouse is, like, utter, imp- is not afraid at all mm. of what's going to happen. Um, he even, um, <laughs> there's even a part where he has pussyfoot and sends a ransom note out to uh, Mark Anthony, mm. insisting that Mark Anthony push cheese into the hole in small chunks, or he'll never see the kitten again, except in small chunks. Yeah. Um... various attempts are made and the solution that works is surprisingly simple. Mm -hmm. Um, Mark Anthony gets some kind of big magnifying pane of glass and puts it in front of the mouse hole with pussyfoot behind it with brow furrowed angrily and uh, cajoles the mouse to come look at the new cat. And when the mouse sees the gigantic angry face, he and his tremendous family that he had mm. scurry away and the day is saved there are no more mice and mice in the house and pussyfoot and Mark Anthony get to live happily ever after yeah there is a third cartoon which i probably should have watched but i didn't actually oh, yeah. there might be a fourth one too there are yeah yeah um but yeah this is i this is this is the reason why i love chuck jones mm-hmm. like the way that he animates things, like we were talking about how Popeye is animated and it's different you know, bag it's, here. It's, it's great fluid animation, but the way that the squishiness, squishiness, squishiness of the characters right. here, like just the way that like Pussyfoot snuggles into the fur on Mark Anthony's back and it just pools like a puddle. Oh, it's beautiful stuff. You know, this, the, the feed the kitty might be my favorite Looney Tune. Ah, yeah. it's a merry melody. Is it a merry melody? It is. Okay. But whatever, Warner Brothers. Yeah. And Mark okay. Anthony is like, is probably my favorite character. <laughs> He's a little narrow, right? Because like, if you yeah. watch the third and fourth cartoon, you know, this, this idea is played out. But uh, his expressions are great. Yeah. Like the jowls he, he, of a bulldog are funny to begin with. Yes. But uh, that perfect... Um, that perfect scene of Vi making the cookies and his reactions <laughs> as he fears the worst. Yeah. As you were talking about that, I just relived the whole thing and smiled the whole time. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> oh, it's animated. So, like, you can see the Grinch smile show up in those dro- jowls every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. And I love his, 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 well, he's great when he comes in afterwards and he's got those bloodshot eyes. Yeah. But, like, yeah. Uh, Individual faces are great. In motion is great. I love uh, one thing Chuck Jones characters do, do and, and Mark Anthony do, does is he's so inconsolable that he's grabbing his own ankles and rolling on his butt while he's crying. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. And this like, is this is Chuck Jones, man. Like this is why people love Chuck Jones. Yeah. Or like in in the second cartoon. Think about like he's 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 plotting, and he's holding Pussyfoot in his hand, and just like, you know, just just as a fidget, uh, massaging his head with his thumb. Yeah, that was the other thing that made me remember that cartoon. Yeah, yeah, and then I love that he's got like his pensive face, but then as he as he gets an idea, he's got this smile and half lidded expression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's so funny, and then followed up by him carrying that uh, that convex piece of glass mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, 
turning and you can see it amplifying his own face as he walks toward the camera. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This These is, are so good. Like, and mm, You know what? It's, man. Not, it's not just him. Pussyfoot is great, too. Like, oh, yeah. I like that Pussyfoot is helpless and totally lacks any awareness. Yes. Like... The the idea with Pussyfoot, like, they did everything they could. And this isn't me speculating. Like, this is, like, the, the making of the cartoon. They wanted Pussyfoot to be the cutest thing that they could possibly draw. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the character's only character trait. Yeah. Like, it's just a cute kitten. But that's all it needs to be. Like, it's, it's you know, the the baby in a construction site being, you know, obliviously crawling while somebody's trying to save her. Did, did you, that's did what you look up the third cartoon? I, I saw what they were. I didn't watch them. That's the plot of it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Mark Anthony's a guard dog at a construction site and Pussyfoot is uh, like abandoned there. Oh, great. And then, <laughs> yeah, uh, Claude the cat um, shows up and tries to steal Pussyfoot's sausage. And oh, I remember it, that. Yeah. Then it becomes a like a chase whereby Pussyfoot escapes all the hazards of the construction. Same, same plot, right? But yeah. Claude ends up getting clobbered. And- I remember the sausage being like as big as Pussyfoot. Like he could barely carry it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's diminishing returns, right? Like each one is not quite as good as the other one, but uh, yeah. But no, these are this is true. Like these are minor. Looney Tunes, Um, you know, they kind of gave up on them when other characters became more popular. Um, The only modern reference really is in Tiny Toons. Mm -hmm. They did make a minor, minor character called Barky Marky. Right. Who's like a bulldog puppy that just barks all the time and is like the the Looney Tunes equivalent of Mark Anthony. Um, But yeah, a little bit. A little bit forgotten, these cartoons are, until you see them, and then you, you know, if you're our age, you remember them. But, right. like, these are worth checking out. Like, it's, they're so cute. It's so, the the, the animation looks so beautiful, like, the, the way that it's all so squishy and... Uh, they're oh. nice and simple, too. Oh, these car- yeah. These cartoons, like, it, you counted out all the examples, like, in, the, in, in Feed the Kitty... That he takes the uh, the wind-up key of a car and then pretends that uh, Pussyfoot's a wind-up toy. And then he pretends that uh, Pussyfoot's the, the powder puff to a makeup kit, right? Yeah. And then it's the all the stuff with the cookies. They're very simple. Yeah. But, yeah. And no, not mean-spirited. Hmm. This is not one of the no, Looney no, Tunes cartoons... This is not one of the Looney Tunes cartoons where all the comedy is one character beating another character well, to death. Well, yeah, the the husband is pretty mean. <laughs> well, yeah, but like that's not the, you know, it's not. <laughs> I saw um, on the page where I found this, there was another video that I I didn't watch, but I liked the thumbnail. It was uh, the ten worst things that Bugs Bunny has done, uh-huh. and the thumbnail was. Him looking at an old Elmer Fudd who he had put in a grave (laughs) (laughs) and was preparing to bury alive. (laughs) 
I just assumed like, it would be ten instances of blackface and yellowface, but. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah. not the 10 worst things he's done to society, the 10 worst <laughs> yeah. things he's done to a specific person. Okay. Um, but that doesn't happen here. Like, this is all good stuff. Yeah, yeah. These are great cartoons, and everybody should watch them. I love love Mark Anthony and Pussyfoot. Mm. Dogs, man. Cartoon dogs. Right, right. Well, I have a cartoon dog. Oh? Yeah. Um, and I have a good cartoon, too, so the through line is perfect. Um it's How to Play Baseball, directed by Jack Kinney in 1942. It's an early example of the goofy everyman cartoons. Some people call them, call them the how-to cartoons. Um, they feature a world full of goofies, but none of them are exactly goofy the character per se. It starts with a narrator describing baseball, including the equipment, the field, and the rules, with some gags sprinkled in. And then they analyze the player, and we finally get to see Goofy. The narrator sets up the duel between pitcher and batter. And I love this, as the batter organizes the dust on home plate, because they're, you know, they're very picky. Part of his ritual is smearing the dirt all over his uniform. Um, so this Even patting to, under his arms. Oh, it's so good. It's so <laughs> weird, right? <laughs> I love this stuff that it just shocks me into laughter. I didn't even think about it until I was watching the cartoon. Yeah. And like, I had already given it to you when I, like I saw a little bit of it and decided, yeah, I'll give him this one. Yeah. And then after I had assigned it to you, then I watched it. Yeah. And as, as I was watching it, I remembered, Oh, cartoon characters playing sports. This is Micah's jam. Yeah. Not specifically this one. Usually I mean more just like, you know, GI Joe playing a sport. Cause it's so weird <laughs> for them. But right. this, this cartoon is just good period. Yeah. Um, so uh, at this point, the narrator sets up the duel between pitcher and batter. And we get a series of jokes that are based on cartoonish versions of the various kinds of pitches. Now, this stuff will feel pretty familiar uh, to other various classic uh, baseball cartoons. All these uh, slow pitch jokes, etc. Yeah. Um, so then... The story zips ahead to the bottom of the ninth inning in a 3 nothing game. So, Matsy, you remember how we were complaining about sports shows that don't understand the nuances or even rules of a game? There were no other curling stones on that ice. Right, exactly. Well, despite this being a ridiculous, goofy cartoon, this one creates a well-thought-out scenario that leads to the bases being loaded. Yeah. Yeah, it's a base hit then a stolen base, then a walk on a struck batter, and then a successful bunt. Like, excellent, right? Yeah, and even like even the, the big climax of it, which I'm sure you're getting to, mm -hmm. the, like, the fact that the first, th the, the three runners that were on base all score while the action is going on. And so it comes down, at that point, it's a tie game mm -hmm. with a runner and the defending team trying to get the ball home. Right. Like it is as down to the wire as baseball can possibly be. Yeah. I guess your complaint. There's also two outs, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I guess your complaint could be that it, it would be a tie game, right? Just like the Simpsons. But. Well, no, because there's still one more runner. Oh, I guess. Yeah. He'd have to stop on third. 
Oh, actually, no, because no, he no. would be. Oh, wait, the no, you're right. Scored, it would, yeah, yeah, you're right. If he was scored. out, it would be a tie game. Yeah, 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 they would yeah. go to extra innings. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, you're right. But but at any rate, they got. It, it doesn't really matter. The the yeah. yeah so as you say, the final plays a race. Uh, it's a race between the runner who's impeded by every base getting stuck to his foot as he goes around, <laughs> and uh, the outfielder having to potato sack hop with the unwound stringy material of the disintegrated baseball. <laughs> and as you say, yeah. yeah, it's too close to call, but the umpire makes a call and then under pressure reverses it and it causes a big brawl with all the players and like a, a satirical finish to the kind of game baseball is. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, good stuff. Um, that concept of the ball just being like it, he, it was hit so hard by the batter that the, the, the coating, ca- the case came off and it unraveled. Oh, right. And so right. The, the fielder has to field this gigantic mass of yarn. Yes, yes. That comes down as just the end of the unwound cork into his glove. And then the rest <laughs> just piles over him, right? <laughs> like, you know, this cartoon has some animations that are. He was talking about Popeye, you know, when he's uh, slinking through Abu Hassan's clothes. This has stuff that's hardwired to the brain, like mm. like that uh, potato sack hop and the and the broken ball bits, right? Or mm. like uh, mm. uh, when the batter comes up and he's swinging a, a like a bouquet of bats until he chooses just one out of them. Yeah, right. Like yeah, that's perfectly in my mind. Uh, and then there's like other stuff that, you know, I need a little reminder of, but so funny, right? Like when the pressure's on and the pitcher <laughs> has the baseball in one hand and chewing tobacco on the other hand, and he takes a big bite out of the baseball <laughs> or like uh, uh, s- same scenario, right? Where he's, he's under pressure and he winds up for the pitch and he overdoes it and ends up uh, literally tying himself in knots with his own limbs. And then, like, his protruding hand just flicks a really ginger pitch with his thumb, like, boing! Yeah. And the amount of sweat that they're all just pouring <laughs> off of the pitcher and the batter. He has to empty his hat of a gush right, of water. Right, right, And then, like, like everything, really, right? Like, yeah. I'd say, like, the, 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 uh, the various pitches... They only seem hackneyed because we've seen those same jokes in other cartoons, but they're as good as anything else here, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is just a hilarious, goofy cartoon. Yeah. Um, I'll say that one of the things I appreciate, this is one of the, I guess, the early Jack Kinney, goofy everyman cartoons. I believe this is the first one. I yeah. think that's, I think I was originally looking at how to play football. Right. And then I looked it up and decided to start with the first one. Uh, they got the funny the funny old tiny football hats in that one. But anyway, yeah. The uh, one thing I appreciate because of this is early. The Goofy has his long ears. Mm. You ever notice this in some of the other ones that the Goofies don't have any ears? Huh. I don't think I did notice that. It's weird. So weird to see all these Goofies with no ears. Um. Mm. I mean, otherwise they're fine, but I just can't. I have a hard time getting past it. So he looks yeah. correct in this one. Have you seen, there's a modern Goofy cartoon called How to Hook Up Your Home Theater. I kept seeing that referenced as I was mm. looking this up. Um, I didn't watch it, but I'm aware that it exists. 
Yeah, it's a tribute to these old ones, right? So they have. Well, this is Goofy's thing. Like, like in the show Goof Troop, there were multiple sequences of Goofy trying to do something with a, you know, a book on tape or whatever narrator explaining how to do it. Like it's Goofy's shtick. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I think these belong in their own time, though, because that 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 modern one just kind of, you know, I, I guess. The stuff that's made in flat? its own era is it feels kind of dangerous, right? Whereas, mm. yeah, that that other stuff is a little too sterile. But do you know the story behind the making of these? No, I guess not. Um, this was made during a dispute with Pinto Kolvig, who's the voice of Goofy. Okay, uh, his contract oh. <laughs> had run out. Yeah. Whatever, and so he wasn't doing the voice of Goofy. So they needed a way to make Goofy cartoons without having Goofy's voice. Right. Huh. And this is what they came up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that, about how he's he's only got a few instances in this cartoon where any of the Goofies make sounds, and they're not his voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but pretty good time. I, yeah, really like this. Oh, yeah. I mean, the... Uh, the it was it was kind of a struggle for me to pick a Disney cartoon to give you. Mm-hmm. And when I stumbled on this, like immediately the memories of how funny these how-to goofy cartoons were just mm. came flooding back. And I knew this was it. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe they'll make another appearance on the show at some time. Maybe. We got a lot of cartoons out there and hopefully a lot more episodes to record. Well, that sounds like it's a good time to move on toward uh, our assignments for next week. Yeah, okay. Um, You had the brilliant idea to have a single cartoon, where each of us have a single cartoon with one good episode and one bad episode. Yeah, and I got one for you. Okay. So mine is... Disney's Adventure of the Gummy Bears. Ooh. Yeah. So the good one... You know, I came very close to doing Rescue Rangers. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Oh, you'd had to have found a good one, so that would be a challenge. (laughs) Oh, burn! Wow! Wow, Micah with a hot take. You know, I like that show, but it's analogous to my like of Space Jam. I like that show (laughs) for one reason. Well, mostly. Um, Okay, so the good episode, you know how they have split episodes with with shorter cartoons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first one is A Hard Dazed Night, and the second one is Do Unto Ogres. All right. And then the bad one is Tuxford's Turnaround. Okay. There you go. Okay. Hmm. Gummy bears. Interesting. Yeah, good be, cartoon. Uh, I'll be interested to see how that pans out. I have fond memories of gummy bears. Mm-hmm. Or at least I have, like, yeah, for- retrospective... That was probably a good cartoon. Thoughts yeah. about gummy bears. Well, we'll see when you get to Tuxford's turnaround. <laughs> um, I... <laughs> I don't have enough encyclopedic knowledge of most cartoons to really immediately go, ah, I know a good one of this, or I know a bad one of this. Mm. Um, so I had to browse quite a bit for one that I, I, I thought about Beetlejuice for a while. Okay. But 
the line was kind of blurred on that one. Hmm. Um, I came up with one and I debated briefly whether it was too new, but then I realized that it's almost 20 years old now. Invader Zim. Okay. Um, there's the first episode of season two, which is entitled Tack, the Hideous New Girl. Hmm. Okay. That's the good one, in my opinion. Okay. The bad one, on the other hand, is the last episode of season two, or at least the last one that aired in the regular production order. There was a Christmas special afterwards, but this was the last episode produced before the show was canceled. Lay it on me. It's called Gaz Taster of Pork. Huh. All the episodes have this sort of person person quality title, eh? Well, these two do. Oh, okay. Most of the episodes in Invader Zim are actually the two packs that you mentioned. Ah, um, yeah. These are two of the um, relatively rare full-length episodes. All right, cool. So next week, Gummy Bears and Invader Zim. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for this week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate any feedback you have. I'm Micah, and you can reach me at DrabSwatch on Twitter. And I'm Matsy, and I am AC Matsy on Twitter. And so we're going to get out of here, and before we go, we got to make sure that everybody knows the Celery Stalker slogan. Open, sissy. Open, say so. Oh, that can't be it.